Hey folks, welcome to the Jason Wright Show, Money Monday. Look, this is the episode dedicated to improving our finances, always in always. Part of our overall improvement has to be to be good stewards of our resources, and that's what Mondays are for on the Jason Wright Show. So with that in mind, let's go. Hey, I want to be in your pocket. I know it sounds weird, but hear me out. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download the Vitruvian Lab app. This is the only app you need to improve always in all ways. Check out the Vitruvian Library, full of scientific research on health, wellness, and other great stuff. Check out my library of courses, including Massively Transformative Habits. Take the free mindset assessment. Also, Shortly, I will include weekly guided training videos geared towards fitness to help you extend health span. I will be constantly updating the app with new features and courses geared towards helping you develop the absolute best version of yourself. Don't wait. Go right now. No, seriously, go and download the Vitruvian Lab app and start improving always in always. Now, enjoy this amazing episode of The Jason Wright Show. Well, it's so good to see you. One of the uh, highlights of my time with the Dave Ramsey organization was getting to meet some really cool people of which you were one, my man. I, I enjoyed our time together. And now I'm so honored to have you on the show talking money. And I told you this is going to run as one of the installments of Money Monday. You know, one of the things, one, like I told you about whenever we were together in Franklin, Tennessee, like the motto of the Jason Wright Show is to improve always and always. And you can't talk about holistic, full-blown improvement, trying to get it right on all levels without talking about being a good steward of your finances. And so that's why I really want to start focusing more on that. And who better than to have on than you, my man. So I appreciate you being here. No, man, I appreciate you, dude. I got to say, you were one of the coolest dudes I met. Uh, (laughs) I loved all about... I think after I left Franklin, Tennessee, the first thing I did on the plane ride home was I immediately Googled Tyler, Texas, because I just felt like I needed to start investing <laughs> in Tyler, Texas after I left. As you absolutely should. You know, it's funny. I had someone in town today and no one sells Tyler like I sell Tyler, brother. I mean, there's there's a couple of things in this life that I'm real good at and I have no false modesty about. One, I'm really good at loving my wife. I do it better than anything else. Two, I can sell Tyler to anybody. And so uh, I had a, a dude in town today. It was the same thing. I was like, this is God's country, man. I mean, it's a great place to be. And I'll tell you, it's kind of like where we were. I mean, we don't have all those beautiful rolling hills covered in gorgeous trees like in Franklin, Tennessee. But Tyler's yeah. a pretty sweet place. So when you get ready, and, I talk, and I've got an investment for you now. I've got this little development that we're working on. So uh, I can put some I'm, money to work for you right now. I'm excited about it. Uh, but I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm excited to, to, to dive into today, man. Well, so here's the thing. And so the audience knows, you know, I was talking to Watch a little bit before we got on. And one of the things we were talking about is some things we wanted to cover. And he brought up a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I'm so glad that you had this teed up, Juan. And it is essentially how a small business owner 
an entrepreneur manages their own personal finances. There's, and here's the way I describe it. And so for those of you who are entrepreneurs listening, and you can, you're going to be able to relate to this. And also for those of you who think you want to be an entrepreneur, listen closely because the conversation that Juan and I are going to have will set you up for success that I call, I mean, one of the things I say, Juan, a lot of times whenever I do business advisory now and I coach young, young entrepreneurs is I, the, the greatest education that I have to give to them is all the mistakes I made. And oh, yeah. one of them, I know we're going to specifically talk about taxes. So if I don't bring this up later, say, Jason, don't forget to tell me about the taxes. But here's the way I describe uh, my time as an entrepreneur in those early days is you get in and you're just, first of all, you're just excited and you're trying to figure out, okay, this is my engine. How do I make it go? How do I make money? How do I feed my family out of this? And when you start making money, the money never feels like it's yours. And whenever money starts coming in, I always describe it as like being at a, a convention, you know, where they'll put you in one of those clear booths and they flip the switch and the dollars fly around and you start grabbing as many as you can to stuff them in your pocket. And then eventually the switch goes off. That to me is how it is for every small business owner or entrepreneur. Just all of a sudden some money comes in, you stash it, you buy some crap you don't need, you put, you put it in your business business, but you don't, it's so hard to be disciplined with the fluctuations of income and everything. So I'm so glad we're going to have this conversation. So with that, I want you to just tee off on a topic of whenever you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, some things you need to be disciplined about. What's the first one you want to cover, man? Well, the first thing is if you don't come from, you know, that kind of place where you're used to making a lot of money, I always say it's dangerous when you make that first 10,000 a month. Yep. Getting to 10,000 a month, especially if you've never been there before, you could get that new rich experience where now you want to get the new car right away, uh, you wanna upgrade the house you're living in right away, you wanna start dressing fancier. So the first thing I would caution you for is remember, especially if you're a new entrepreneur listening to this, it, you need to create a foundation for your business. So just cause you had one month where you made 20,000, that doesn't make mean you're gonna make that next month and next month forward. So you gotta be real cautious about how you handle that money. So I, I, um, I was just telling Jason this in show prep that Bankrate came out with this article in uh, January and it blew my mind. And it said that 39% of individuals in America who make over a quarter million a year are now officially paycheck to paycheck. Which it just blows my mind, dude. Which blows my mind. And, and at, the, at the same time, it's like, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, that's why, you know, I, and, and really, Juan, the whole improve always and always, I didn't really expect to talk a lot about money, but whenever we were at Ramsey, I was like, why am I not? Because look, these are, and this is a great case in point. And sorry to digress for just a moment, but this is no, a great no. case in point. Why I have this motto of improve always in always, and the Vitruvian man is kind of the muse for this, is because it's like, okay, so if you're crushing it on your health, but your finances are a mess, you're not doing it right. If you are crushing it at work, but your marriage is falling apart, you're not doing it right. You know, it's, it's, right. This, it's this total, uh, this, this whole perfect proportion that well, we're never going to reach perfect proportion, but you got to be focused on all areas. And you just said, these are people that they're crushing the cash flow side of it, but the stewardship of it. Not so much. So anyway, I'll shut up. I'll get off that soapbox. <laughs> Go ahead. You hit the nail on the head. I I, um, I have this motto in my business. When I start working with a new client and I'm handling your money or I'm teaching you how to invest, 
I'm a married guy. I've been with my wife since college. I've been, she's, she's been the love of my life my whole life, and now we have a new baby. And I always have this motto that your marriage needs to be doing stronger, need to be doing better and stronger than your finances. Mm. While it is fun and exciting to get make some money and grow the bank account, how's your marriage doing? How's life at home? Because in my opinion, that's the real success. Not just doing good in the cash flow and the balance sheet, but coming home and having a successful house too. Amen. So I love that. Amen. Amen. So when you talk to that new business owner and let's just, okay, let's take, let's go back to 2003. That's whenever I bought my first company. And so let's say that Jason Wright is buying his first business again. In my, my case, it was a real estate brokerage. And I go to, to Juan, say, Juan, dude, I'm buying this first business and I'm going to be funding everything out of my pocket at first. I've got some savings. I, I borrowed some working capital. Uh, how do I get myself set up for success so that I don't find myself getting yeah. silly whenever I this thing actually starts doing what yeah. it's supposed to do and the reason why I bought it? How do you get me started? Well, I think rule number one for any new entrepreneur or maybe you've already been an entrepreneur for a while is you got to start thinking about the concept of profit first. The amount of business people that I meet that have fantastic businesses, thriving practices, and then they have a W-2 of $40,000. I'm like, well, man, what happened? Mm -hmm. Why? Um, so I would say make sure that, yeah, while it is important to reinvest in your business and grow your company and be profitable, make sure you're paying yourself first. Because what I have found is if you yourself financially on your personal side are not doing well, over time, I guarantee you the business will start to suffer because it's like you're it's like you're uh, you're in a boat, but you got a real big hole at the bot at the bottom of that boat. Eventually, the business is going to start funding your personal life, and that's not the way it should go. And that is one of the things you're so right. Like like uh, flies to honey, moths to a light. If you don't have any money in your personal account, you will go to that business account all of a sudden, and you'll start thinking. Well, you know, we can go to the grocery store and um, this is expendable. I mean, we can expense this, you know, now. And that's another thing, too, that we might want to talk a little bit about, because I know during the Trump administration, there were some significant changes made to T&E on your on your taxes. And a lot of people have not been alerted to that until they actually, you know, they've been used to every meal out, every vacation they take with the kids, all this being able to expense it. And now that's which is probably going to surprise a lot of people on the left side of the aisle. That that's something Trump said. Yeah, no, those days are over. And yeah. but that's what will happen. You will go to wherever the money is, and if it ain't at your house, if it ain't in your personal <laughs> checking account, you're going to start digging into that uh, that company account. Absolutely, man. You know, just this week I was sitting with a real estate broker. Funny enough, in my town. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to help him, you know, start growing his personal side because the business is doing so well. And I just saw it in his language. I'm like, hey, listen, let's talk about investing. Can you start doing a thousand dollars here? He's like, yeah, I just got to move it from the business side. And I'm like, well, what are you taking home though? I, mean, I don't understand. Are you not giving yourself a paycheck? And I think it's so important that, yeah, while the business profit will go down a little bit, it's important for you as a business owner to also equally manage your personal finances the same way you do the, that business. That's exactly right. And the thing that most people, and, and so the entrepreneur out there listening, and look, this is, this is old Uncle Jason talking to you 
from experience doing it the wrong way. I don't, and look, one, one of the things, dude, I'm happy to do with people is to just, I think it's better. I think I'm more, um, I think I give them more wisdom if I'm willing to just be transparent and talk about what I did wrong. And one of the things that I did wrong was those first few years, not treating it like a real company. You know, it, it treating my checking account like a like a piggy bank essentially, and yeah. and so and what you do is, and you can probably attest this. I'm sure you've had clients that are like this. You feel some days you feel really rich because, like you said, when you had that big month that that first ten twenty thousand dollar month, you feel like you've got a lot of money. But then all of a sudden, if you, when you look at your personal account, if there's nothing there, you're actually making good money, but you've never felt poorer and under more stress and under more strain. And you and this is what I always try to tell business owners now. Try to get yourself a sense of normalcy. Would you agree that trying to just look, there's a reason why people go into business for themselves, right? They want that control. But yep. it's also nice to have that steady two week paycheck. It's just a normalcy. So you have to, but you can have both. You can be the entrepreneur and you have to create that scenario. But man, it takes a lot of discipline, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I teach this uh, and try this if you want, guys. If you're a new entrepreneur and you haven't figured this out yet, or maybe you already have a system in place, try this out. Um, And Jason, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So what I do and what I usually teach is we, you know, we do, we usually use QuickBooks or you might use whatever you use. At the end of every month, you have a balance, right? Like you have X amount of gross revenue. Try this. 10% immediately goes to savings. 15 to 20% goes to taxes, which we'll go into that in a second. Maybe more based on your business. Mm-hmm. And then another 10% or so goes to expenses and stuff like that, right? And then you profit the rest as a, as a unless you have employees, you got to pay, you know, that kind of stuff up. But pr- make the practice of actually paying yourself 45%. I like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. And, and that right there, see, that's what people need to hear. And and, and actually, the, the take-home, I've always kind of practiced the 80-10-10 rule for myself. That's just kind of our deal. But like the business side of it, that's fantastic. So so go through that one more time just so that new business owner or that business owner has been doing this for 20 years but feels broke and is not doing it right. It's never too late to get the ship in order, right? So go through those numbers again, Juan. So gross revenue, do 10% right out of the bat, we're putting into savings, right? So that is growth for your business, inventory, whatever the case may be, 15 to 20% for taxes, at least. Then another 10%, you have at least for expenses and you know office rent, stuff like that. And then whatever the next remaining is, pay that off to employees and yourself. Get into that habit that, I don't, I don't want to say empty the bank account, but leave what's operational in the bank accounts, but then actually pay yourself something take home. You know, um, funny story, man. So I got a, I have a client here by me in New York, and they run a very successful construction company. You know, they made seven figures a year. And as I start working with them, I look at the business owner's personal account, and she has $300 on her checking account. And I'm like, how is this possible? You have multiple six figures in the business account. She's like, oh, well, everything just goes through there. You know, it's, and after we implemented this rule, last month was her first month where she actually paid herself $9,500. And she, I'm like, how do you feel, by the way? And she's like, I have no idea what to do with this money. I've never <laughs> paid myself this kind of money in my life. Yeah, yeah. 
and and what and good for you first of all for for coaching her to do that because and I deal with that with uh, with my own wife Juan um, who is the hardest working woman on earth and you know but the thing is I have to tell her you have to pay yourself because what she does is she feels like she works her tail off with yep. not a lot to show for it right and yet Jimlin is a type that you put a you put a goal out there for her if you say okay we have to have fifty thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars for this thing into the future then she will find a way to get that money out of the business she'll pay herself she'll cut herself checks she'll save it up and boom it's there but otherwise she feels like she's just spinning her wheels working for nothing and all the money going back into inventory and you said something there too that you might want to touch on maybe this leads us into the tax discussion a lot of people think that they're being good stewards by having um, their personal checking account almost you know empty collecting dust but having 150 200,000 you know whatever in their company account at the end of the year talk to the listener about why that cannot be the best idea well two things one having a lot of money in your business account well number one it'll make you feel like your business is doing better than it actually is because remember it's not about how much is in the account it's about revenue of the business profitability and kind of taking it out kind of puts that fire under your butt your butt like you're like oh man okay we gotta we gotta get revenue up i gotta get focused on scaling what does my streams look like but number two i think personally this is just my opinion of why I, I coach this when you start paying yourself out of your business it almost motivates you because now you're like i want to grow my personal accounts too i want to work on my personal finances too so my business is doing awesome and whether you're going to eventually sell it and exit it or eventually you're just going to pass it down to grow it you're feeling that equal success and no longer you can feel that your business is doing great but my personal finance is doing even better I like that. And you just touched on something there too. Like there's two different types of um, business owners, man, you know, a small business owner and an entrepreneur. And I heard this somewhere. So this is an original thought from Jason, right? I don't want to give credit to where credit's due. Although I don't know where to give the credit. All I can say is I didn't come up with this, but I heard it one time and it really stuck with me. You know, a small business owner, they buy themselves a job, right? They, the entrepreneur is setting themselves up for an exit. They're, they're, they're The business is something they're building to have that, equity event. And I think that what you just touched on is one of the keys. If you are listening to this and you are someone that you know, either one, this is a business that you were a small business owner and you've been at it for 20 or 30 years. You don't have a succession plan and you're ready to just get out one day. Listen to what Juan is saying. Clean those books up, show where the money's really going. And those of you who are operating under this price, well, we just, like you just said with this uh, client of yours, well, we run everything through the business. That, how many times you hear that? We run everything through the business. Okay. If you do that and you try to sell it, then you just leave all this curiosity with how much money is this thing really making? Whereas if you do, if you, if you can show a good, clean, crisp P L where all of the money is accounted for. And look, here's the deal, folks. I think, Juan, one of the things, too, and this would probably be a good time to start talking about taxes and how you kind of do that balancing act. A lot of people think, well, I want to run it all through the business because I want to shelter as much tax as I can. And let me tell you something. You're just not going to beat the tax, man. You're just not. I mean, if if you're a Fortune 500 company and you have a floor full of accountants, you're going to be able to manipulate the tax code 
as well or better than anybody else. But if you're just a small business owner, you're probably going to waste more time and put yourself at more risk financially by trying to beat the tax man than actually just, just play by the rules, know your rate, budget for it, and stroke the check. It will hurt. It will suck. But I'll tell you this one. This is one of the things that I did, you know, I got Jimlin to start doing is if you'll just put that little bit aside every single month, week, whatever it takes, then it's like anything else. As long as you, it's, it's going to hurt either way. To, to, I mean, when you write, when you start writing the government, $30,000 checks, $50,000 checks, it sucks. It hurts you because our, our mind says, my gosh, there goes a car that's going to Washington, D.C. or whatever. But yeah. it's even worse whenever you go, oh my gosh, I owe 50000 and I don't know where it is. And guess what? The government doesn't care what you've done with your money. You have, and, and you've obviously run a healthy business. You've made the money, but you have become like those high earners. You didn't manage it well, so now you feel broke. You're making a quarter of a million bucks a year, and you feel broke, right? Right, man. Uh, oh, man, I could talk about this too long, but... <laughs> If you're a new entrepreneur or maybe you're even an established company already, maybe you even have five employees or so, make sure you're doing quarterly taxes, guys, especially as your revenue starts climbing. Get a good CPA in your corner. And yeah, you're going to have to pay them, but think about how much money and time they're going to save you down the line. Um, you know, here's a common thing that I see a lot of times, and I'm Jason, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Um, the most common thing I see when I have this tax conversation is an entrepreneur or maybe you're a small company you worked the whole year, you didn't save, or you're not doing quarterly taxes, and then you get a tax bill for 100, 200 grand, and then immediately you're like, what do I do? Well, let me buy this thing so oh, I can yeah. do a huge tax write-off <laughs> so then I can pay less. I had a client who did that, ended up buying a company, big Yukon or so, <laughs> supposedly, to write off 80,000, but I'm like, yeah, but then you just deducted 1,100 a month from the business cash flow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want to be careful of these things, man. Yeah. Do you uh, a lot? Oh yeah, and I've done it, dude. Let me tell you something. Full disclosure: Jason Wright bought his first Hummer as a freaking tax write-off. So there you go, folks. The improve always and always guy has been a dumbass. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, what? And but let me tell you something. Okay, so let me tell you how this went down, though, Juan. So. Yeah. It's the year end, and and it was about that time. It was relatively early on. I start making a little bit of money, yeah. and and it wasn't the H one Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger style. It was like the big H two, you know, that was yeah. m more for civilian. Well, my buddy who runs a dealership here in town, he had, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't need this. This feels terrible, but I justified it with the seventy five thousand dollar, you know, immediate expense or whatever. So I go buy this thing. And dude, I'm not, I don't think the Lord works this way, but I do think the Lord has a way of kind of just letting you go. Okay, let's see how this works out for you, buddy. My hedge of protection is going to be a little thinner than normal. So I kid you not, I had to, first of all, spend thousands of dollars to get this, my garage to where I could fit this thing in. So that was that. Then I'm driving this thing down the road and all of a sudden it was missing. I bought it used. It was like a couple years old. And uh, there was a, a little hitch that wasn't on it. So I had a bungee cord around it. I'm driving it through my neighborhood. The bungee cord comes loose and goes, bam, shatters the back windshield. Then... I'm at the gym one day. The guy that sold it to me, who ran the dealership that I bought it from, he comes in, he looks at me, he said, 
He said, Jada, that that Hummer I sold you that's supposed to have 20,000 miles on it has over 86,000 miles on it. He said, because they were going to get the hitch fixed and they had run it. It was supposed to be still under warranty. Oh, no. He found out that that thing, the miles had been run back. It was a complete lemon and it was a disaster. And so I took that as just a big sign that, Jason, you have made a dumbass decision. Don't do this. Fortunately, got rid of the Hummer, learned my lesson, (laughs) didn't do that again. But so that's a long answer for, yes, Juan, your buddy, Jason. Not only do I see other people do it, I have done it. Dumb. Oh, oh, that's so funny, man. Uh, I think I think as men, I think uh, it's. I don't know, agree with me or not. Uh, I think a lot of men see the kind of car we drive yeah. as a status symbol of how we feel, how we look. Uh, we care about what, what our buddies think. We care about how we show up to the church, how we show up to that fancy dinner place. Yep. And uh, for business owners, man, let me just be one of the first people to tell you. Most people don't care about the car you drive, man. Nope. Don't get focused on driving that luxury car. Nope. Uh, that'll come later. Trust me. It'll come later. You know, that's such good advice. Gary Vee, one time, I heard him talking about this where he was saying that when you start making money, you start buying stupid stuff. And I've got a lot of custom boots to show for it. I show those to Jim Leonard once. So I'm like, you know, these custom boots that I have are so dumb. They were, they are artifacts of a very immature and lucky business person. I did well in spite of myself and my dumb, boneheaded decisions. But again, and I think too, don't you think, Juan, and this is where I think you come into play. See, I didn't have someone like you in those early days. I was, because my ego was such that I'm thinking, I'm a small business owner. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm buying other companies. So I don't need a financial advisor telling me how to manage my money or build wealth because I'm building it on my own. And that right there, man, I think that a lot of people get into this stupid trap. I know I did where I want to sh- I want to see right now. I want to be able to show right this minute the fruits of my labor. So I'll do it in custom boots, a Hummer, something stupid like that instead of thinking, "Wait a minute. I'm do- yep, yep, the watches. Oh dude, yep, you know, which Sorry. by the way, I got a funny story which still makes my wife mad about why I don't have my Rolex Submariner right now. Uh, because it, it just shows you how you mature as you get older. But um, I, I think that people, they lose sight if they're not careful, like I did, of if you're really doing this right, you're in this to build wealth. And what you need to do is bring a team together. And, and I've got a great, great story about watches, too, since you just uh, you, you pointed to that. Um, but I think that's where a lot of people, when they buy a business, they stop, they don't think about the fact that, wait a minute, this is a marathon and we're building long-term wealth and they don't like, I didn't get someone like you to come alongside me and go, Hey, grind it out at this job every single day. So that in five, 10 years, instead of having custom boots and Rolexes and a Hummer with a shattered window, instead you've got real wealth and then, and then I guarantee you nothing one, you correct me if I'm wrong with the people you've worked with, Nothing makes you not give a flip about the car or whatever, like having 150, 200 grand sitting in the bank and all of a sudden seeing wealth built. All of a sudden, when you start to feel, when you start to build real wealth, 
Oh, Dude, yeah. you don't care what you're driving. You're like, oh, that's better, <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know, um, you know, the numbers talk for themselves. Uh, but I do want to circle back real quick, man, to something that I think you hit home so well that um, most men, I found this in my profession as a financial planner. And um, it's so crazy to me that I did the math for my last two years, mm-hmm. 64% of my business usually is married couples. Guess who's the person who reaches out for help first? Is it who I'm going to guess that you're asking the wife. It's always the wife. Yeah. It's always the Me wife. That comes first. It says, Hey, we we're, we're in a tight bend. We need some help. Or we tried doing things our way and it's not working. Or we need some guidance on this. Or, Hey, we hit a wall and we're like, what the heck do I do? But my husband doesn't want to know I'm calling you that he doesn't like financial advisors. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's true. I get, I get this, this, uh, this hurdle a lot with, with men as I meet with them. And some of these guys do make more money than me because they, they own some very successful companies. And I'm like, I'm not here to tell you how to make more money. I'm just here to teach you how to how to manage what you got. Yeah. And if you're hearing this, and I, listen, I think all men have an ego to a degree, right? Everybody just has bigger or smaller. It, it, you, you should never let your ego get so large that you know you're in trouble or you know you need the help, but you don't ask for the help. I could not agree more, man. And. You know, that I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that's something that that's how marriage done right, we balance each other out, right? We you know, like I guarantee you my greatest strengths help to compensate for whatever weakness Jimlin might have. Like for example, I mean she's good at going out and just just breaking her back to make money at our in our retail business. I mean, she, the girl will work seven days a week, uh, nonstop. And I think I, because of all my mistakes, have become better at saying, hey, wait a minute, this is this is a real business, so you gotta do the, the prudent things. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's good to hear you say it because men, your, your wife will, women are just wiser and they don't, they, I mean, a lot of women like the nice stuff, but I think we as men, we think that part of our value is to provide them with the nice car for her to have the nice watch, for her to be wearing Dior and making sure she's got, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, Christian Louboutins, you know, you got to have those, those, the, the bottom of those shoes painted red. Man, those red bottom. Oh yeah. Those red bottom shoes, dude, they will get you in trouble. Let me tell you. And, and the thing is my wife's feet are tiny, but it's funny. They all cost the same. Um, but you know, but women are, I, I can speak for my wife. She's at the end of the day, she's like, I just want you to be happy. You can be honest with me and nothing strengthens strengthens a relationship better, in my opinion, than having that transparency and to be able to go to your wife and go, sweetheart, I'm scared. I'm, 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 I need some help. Um, so I think just that is a very, a very good lesson. And I, you know, I wrote this uh, book that's not that great called push play, taking your life off pause, where it was about, it was documenting my journey into entrepreneurship. And one of the things I, I talk about in there is you have got to get your family on board with you. It's a, you're, we as men tend to think we're the only one leaving the cave to go, you know, kill the wildebeest and drag it back to the cave. No, it's a team effort and everybody needs to have their seat on the bus and know their role, just like you would at a company. And the wife, man, she is your co-chairman. And, and in this household, I just assume Jimlin be the chairman because she's so much smarter <laughs> and wiser than I am. That's so funny, man. You know, um, I have this, 
belief that the most successful couples that I've worked with, right, not not business, but on their finances, I found three things in common with couples that when they budget together, they see their money together, they talk together. Number one, it's usually the wife wants to feel a sense of security. Yep. So sometimes men, I think we get so caught into like, oh, I need to make 400 grand this year. I need to make a million dollars this year. That's how my wife will be happy. Yeah. And oftentimes, guys, your wife just wants to know you guys are safe. The mortgage is going to get paid. We can do a small trip and we're going to be okay in the future. Yep. Yep. I could not agree more, man. It's taken me a long time to realize that. That's one of the reasons why this podcast exists is because Jim Lynn's just like, I don't care if it's, you know, I don't care if you're doing 50,000 downloads or a million downloads. If you're passionate about it and it's what you want to do, get after it. I, I love you and I support you. And that's why there's no ego attached to it. It's just, it's awesome, man. All right. So I think that's some great advice for that first time business owner or that existing business owner. But I want to drill down a little bit. I know that, and not to pick on physicians, I've got a lot of doctor buddies, love them. They crush it. But these were the nerds in high school that, and Tyler, dude, okay, it's funny that you, you mentioned Tyler earlier. And we're going to get you to Tyler. We're going to get you out of Jersey. You know, we're going to get you from the Garden State. Look, you're in the Garden State. This is the Rose City. So, Garden, we have Rose Gardens here. We have the Tyler Rose Garden, dude. So, okay, so we'll get you out of the Garden State, get you oh, down here. Already. I told you. Yeah. I told my wife when I came home, my wife was like, Hey, so who'd you meet? I was so excited. Who? And I, I saw I was talking about Deloney, and I'm talking about my wife's like anybody knew you made friends. I'm like, yeah, this guy named Jason. He was really cool. I think he sold me. I'm like, if we ever move to Texas, we're moving to Tyler. Boom! I love it. That's what I'm talking about. So we have you know, this is a big medical community. So we've actually got a four year University of Texas about to build a four year or they're building right now four year medical school here. So nice. we've got two huge hospitals uh, in addition to the UT Research Hospital big, big medical community. So I see a lot and being in real estate all these years, I saw these guys, they finished their residency. They're about to start making bank. The banks are like, here, take a million dollar loan, whatever you want. You're about to be a doctor and they just, whatever you want. And so I see more broke millionaire doctors than it's just, it's sad. There's so many of them that overspend, but they're, they're making all this money. So Let's talk a little bit about that. And not, again, not just to pick on the doctors, but that, that's just what they, I see that, you know, again, they, they work there, they break their backs for 12 years of education. Then all of a sudden overnight, it's like, boom, huge cash flow. Oh my God. What do Don't you, <laughs> it's bad. So what do you tell that individual that all of a sudden they're that they're, they fall into that category of making 250 K a year yep. and they're freaking broke. How do they get their, their, their ship righted? Well, I think the first thing you got to do if you're there, um, and funny, I'll go into the story later. Funny enough, Jason, I've gotten kicked out of three hospitals in Jersey. Really? Uh, I'll go into that in a second, but <laughs> uh, on this topic. But I think the first thing you got to do if you're a new doctor, or maybe you've been a doctor for a long time, or or maybe you're just a higher earner, right? Number one, but let's talk about doctors just because you you got me on this train. Number one, don't get the Range Rover and the deck <laughs> Mercedes right away. Yeah, but that G wagon looks so good. Whenever I just finished up my res my, my residency, <laughs> I get and I listen. I get it. I have a bunch of doctor clients, and I know you you lived on a smaller income during residency and those first couple of years. So I get it. You're you're itching to get that. But if your first year you make three four hundred thousand dollars, put priority into paying off your dang student loans, man. Mm. The amount of doctors that I meet. Where they have three, four, five hundred thousand in student loans, 
And the problem that they don't have with it is they can afford the monthly payment. Yep. Oh, no problem, two, 3,000 a month, no big deal. So number one, I would say, number one, be very cautious on the debt you're taking on. And that includes your student loan. I know a lot of doctors start their own practices or they wanna do their own thing. Just cause you have the huge cash flow coming in, listen, the banks will loan you $2 million. No problem. As long as you have decent credit and you have a decent financial background, they'll loan you two, three million bucks. That doesn't mean you need to take it. That's a and great, right there, by the way, small business owner too. Banks will start knocking down your door to, to loan you money when you least need it. If you don't need it, you don't take this. That's whenever all of a sudden, if you're wondering, if you, if you think that a banker is showing up at your office and taking you to lunch and offering you a $100,000 line of credit just because they think you're so freaking smart and they really like you, no. It's because that banks are always there when you need the money the least. You just wait till you get in a pinch. We, let's just wait till you get that, that $100,000 tax liability and you don't have the cash. You go say, hey, is that, am I still good for that line of credit? <laughs> it's probably going to be a different conversation. That's right, man. Uh, be careful. Listen, I don't, know, I don't know if you knew the statistic, but 86% of people don't pay off their credit card every month. Oh, dear. 86? Over 86. And that's, so like we can round down to be nice. That's eight out of every 10 people that you know uh, don't actually use credit cards wisely. So if you're an entrepreneur, or maybe let's talk to the new solopreneur, right? You just started, you became a new business owner. If you have credit card debt, be careful of taking on business lines of credit. Because if you fell into credit card debt on your personal finances, there's a good chance you're about to fall into business debt too. Wow. So be cautious of that too. And what's the average rate on a credit card right now? Dude, because of the Fed and the inflation rate, it just went up to 22.9%. <laughs> oh, wow. That's um, insane. And this is, this is not like back during the 80s, back before you were even born. I didn't have a credit card back then, but back when you could write off credit card uh, interest. You used to be able to do that, folks. You could write off credit. Now, no, that's just 20, a 22% hickey. Uh, oh my gosh that's like yeah. mob, that's like going and borrow money from the mob dude that's like the it, you know the big like, yeah it's getting there like um something that blew my mind this last christmas right mm -hmm. there was a higher um i forgot the number to be exact i didn't pull it up in front of me but there was more sales this last holiday season than all of 2020 and 2021 which doesn't make sense to me but um but again back to that entrepreneur that's listening just be cautious, man. Whether you're a doctor and you start earning some really great income, or maybe this is your first $10,000 a month, trust me, bankers are going to be coming. They're desperate for your business. Be cautious in the amount of debt you're taking on. Number two, remember assets over liabilities. Hmm. I think a lot of people that get into the higher income bracket, especially these doctors, um, you know, they'll start a practice, buy the building right away. Remember, man, that building isn't an asset yet until you get closer to paying it off or it's producing some serious cash flow for you. So what do I do? Okay, so do you have like a timeline and some metrics? Like I like the idea of the small business owner kind of breaking that down to where they, they end up living off the 45% after everything else is appropriated. So kind of like, let's say that I am someone that, I don't know, let's just pick a, a benchmark of, I start making 150K where I've got breathing. Of course, you know, the, the old, the statistic is like anything over set, you, you're, you, you feel a little bit of happiness up to about 75K, right? Anything over that. And that's another thing for, I think this audience to know, anything you make over 75K, you're, it, the, 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 the quote unquote happy index, it doesn't hardly move at all. You just got more money, so you end up buying a bunch of crap. So 
one, what do you start telling that person? What are some principles for that person to start? Where should they put their money? And kind of how do you invest it? Do you max out IRAs? Do you, you know, kind of, what does that formula look like for you? Um, first thing that I think you got to get into the habit of, regardless of where you are in your income, right, is make it a habit that you invest 15% of your income towards retirement or some type of investing. Um, and the best place to do it, in my opinion, you probably heard this all over TikTok or YouTube, man, get a, get a Roth IRA, $6,500 a year. Yeah. Just start with $6,500 a year if you've not been investing. Um, we probably didn't, I didn't talk about this before, but the amount of business owners I meet, man, that have fantastic thriving businesses, 10 employees, thriving million dollar revenues. Sir, would you mind if I take a look at your investment accounts? I don't got one. What do you mean you don't got one? You, you, okay. Why? Yep. Well, I want to keep too much in the business. It's going to, you know, get into the habit early that you are investing 15% of your business. I mean, 15 into retirement. I want to ask you this question real quick for the for the listeners. Why do I need a Roth versus a traditional IRA? What are, what are the benefits? Man, you already knew I was going to go with this, but guys, remember, the only difference between a 401k or an IRA versus a Roth is one of them, the 401k and the IRA, you got to pay taxes when you pull out that money later in your 60s. A Roth IRA, you get no tax break today, but it's completely tax-free later when you decide to retire. It's when, a no brainer. It's a win win. When I've got the most money in there too, right? I mean, that's kind of the right. idea. And yeah, now, just, what are the limits on a Roth right now? How much can I make and still be eligible to invest in a Roth? Because they they bumped those numbers up, didn't they? Yeah, they bumped them up. So you now can contribute if you're under the age of fifty. You can contribute up to sixty five hundred a year, and you can only make if you make over one hundred and fifty. You can't open up a Roth IRA, but I got some tricks around that we'll talk about in a second. Okay. But if you're over the age of 50, you can contribute $7,500 a year. Okay. Okay. Well, right. tell, me the, tell me the tricks, dude. I didn't know there were tricks. Because how, how, I, I mean, I literally just had this conversation uh, not too long ago with um, with my guy here in town. I was like, you know, I was like, I we can't, we're not eligible for a Roth and that we just might not be, but what are, what's the workaround? Oh man, so really simple. First, um, pick a brokerage account, right? So let's just say, let me talk to the new guy for a sec. Let's say you're brand new, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, let me get this going. Pick a brokerage that you trust. Fidelity, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, there's a lot of them, pick somebody you like. Two, let's just say you're like Jason and you can't qualify for that Roth IRA. That's fine, open up a traditional IRA, contribute $6,500, don't invest it, just contribute it. Let it sit for a seven day period so the money fully fully gets in there. Then you convert it into the Roth IRA, but you have to pay the capital gains tax right away. So then on paper, legally, you contributed to the traditional, but then you just took the money out right away and converted it to the Roth account. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm terrible at figuring out like what the, the re- overall return. So it, do I get penalized for moving that or is it because it's going from an investment account to another investment account? I don't get penalized. So, so you get penalized right away because 10%, remember- 10%, is that, is that what we're looking at? It's 24%, Ooh. unfortunately. Okay. But I would rather you pay 24% of 6,500 versus 24% gotcha. of $6,000. Boom, there you go. Okay, so 24%, pretty steep, but it's 64%. But now can I keep contributing to that Roth? Correct, up ah. to the max of 6,500. You do that once a year. 
No kidding. Look at you. Look at the big brain on one. That's I didn't know that, dude. This is years of training. This is just years of training. I like that. I like I, that's, a little that's a, trick. It's called a backdoor Roth IRA. I should probably I should probably make a TikTok video on it, but it's a super fancy way for higher income earners or higher families. You know, there's a lot of um, a, lot, a lot of dual income families. You know, two professional backgrounds. You make a great combined income. You can still get a Roth, guys. Just two traditional IRAs, contribute sixty five hundred, and then convert it to the Roth. You might have to pay a thousand bucks right now. But it's okay. In the in the future, trust me. The future you will be pumped when you have half a million dollars in tax free money. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. Just to bring that point home too, because you, you're twenty four twenty four percent or twenty of of sixty five hundred versus zero percent of thirty years down the road <laughs> since you've been putting all that money in. There. That's no brainer. Dang, dude. All right, right there. That's the money shot. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a second one that I that I teach. Again, right. if you're in that field where you're that you're you're past that higher income bracket and you're like, what do I do? Um, I already did the Roth. I, I want to do a little bit more. You can open up a HSA account with Fidelity, and a lot of people don't know this, but the HSA you can invest it like a Roth IRA. Really? That's right. You can contribute seventy five hundred dollars a year as a family, right? Okay. And remember, you could always use it for medical deductions, but at 65, 62, whenever you decide to retire, you convert that policy, that, that tr- the HSA, into a traditional IRA, and it's tax-free. Really? I did not That's know right. that. So, just to recap, if, and I can do that like right now. Like anybody listening to this can say, I want an HSA, pop in 7,500 as the max, right? And I do get the tax benefit now, you get a tax deduction up front. Okay. You invest it, it grows tax free. Okay. Between now and until you retire. If you do have a medical expense, you can use that money completely tax free as well. But in your sixties or whenever you decide to retire, you then put it into a traditional IRA and it's tax free. It grew tax free completely. Very nice. Okay. Okay. And I think that's gonna become even more and more prevalent. You know, and I've got a you know, my youngest daughter, she has type one diabetes. And so I'm really trying to work to figure out ways to always make sure she's taken care of medically as things go on. So that's that's really good to know. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the first things I did um, when my wife and I got married. I knew down the line, you know, there's going to be medical bills. There's going to be things that pop up. Um, we already did the Roth, so it's like perfect. Let's start doing the HSA. Why not? Let's start that early. Now this is a kind of a like if okay. So let's say that I've done that. And I'm retiring at around 65. Can I use that savings? Or is there any benefit to using that money to pay for like my Medicare supplemental insurance? Does that qualify? Am I cool doing that? 100%. A lot of people, um, as we get closer to that later years of retirement planning, some people never convert it. They just use that as for medical that Medicare and Medicaid doesn't pick up in your 60s. So then you never touch your big nest egg per se yeah. for medical stuff that that becomes the solution per se to long-term care ah i like it i like it you know yeah. and that's another thing too to think about people so this would also be good for I, I'm, i've got a couple of family members here recently that have gone to these um senior living places and i the, i haven't heard any of them talk about less than 4500 a month 
Um, so can, I guess that money could be something used for that, right? Kind of appropriate, already budgeted for versus again, to your point, dipping into your nest egg that you hope would just help you live out your years traveling and having fun and doing with the kids. This is more kind of along those lines, right? That's right. Yeah. That's the great way to do it. Especially if you're a high income earner and you've already done your 401k, if you have one, or you've done the traditional, you've done the Roth and you did this cool new backdoor Roth IRA you just learned about. If you got some extra money lying around and you want to invest it, 100% do the HSA route. Go for it right away. All right. So while we're talking about these kind of um, tax sheltering maneuvers, talk to me a little bit about some of the changes for well, like, I mean, you, you know, you got little Sophia there. She's six months old. You're planning. And I know we're going to do, a, I want to do, a, I already told you, we're going to do a whole episode on planning for the kiddos. But right now, whenever we're saving for college, what is the best way to get started doing that? And let's, I know a big topic across the country right now, school choice and you know homeschooling and up until the last couple of years the tax code has based i'll never forget this one the first time you know, my daughters went to private school and i asked my cpa is there anything i can do to get a tax break and he's like absolutely not the government does not want you sending your kids to private school so yeah. no that there's not uh but i know some of that has changed there's changes on the horizon but kind of what do people need to do to get prepared to for to just get their kids educated i mean the most simple thing you could do is get a 529 plan because remember that a big misconception with the 529 plan is it's for college and universities you could use that for k to 12 so let's say you're uh you're uh you're 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 planning to have a baby or maybe you just had a baby like me um man jason i opened up a 529 three years ago for my daughter i knew this little girl was coming you can open that up early so even if you don't have a family yet, but you know one day you will. Start contributing right now. And don't. and here's something, too, that my parents never did. My kids' grandparents never did. But family members can contribute as well, correct? Um, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save the details for the longer episode on this. Sweet. But let me tell you one of the things I do in my family. Um, obviously, I'm a financial guy, so I know my family's a little weird. <laughs> Um, but for birthdays and stuff in my family, here's what we do. We don't buy gifts. We don't buy toys. We don't buy random Barbie dolls. We buy investment accounts. Mm -hmm. Everybody, like for my nieces, I got two little nieces and I'd rather buy them some shares of Google stock. I'd rather buy them some Nike shares before I buy them Nike shoes. So instead of giving them a hundred dollars for their birthday, I invest a hundred dollars in their 529. I think that's genius. And, and I always wanted to do that. You know, I couldn't, I think the grandparents, they just didn't want to get in on the not giving the kids presents, but man, I wanted them. I was like, Hey, by the way, I'd send that little link from their state farm 529 plan and go, Hey, you guys can contribute to this instead, but they wouldn't go for it. But I think that's genius. I mean, I think for me, the way I made it normal in my family was I wanted to break this like taboo word of money because I feel like money is not a normal conversation in most families. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I grew up, I'm first generation in the country. My family came from Ecuador. I'm first person here, like in America. And, you know, my family didn't have the stock market. They didn't have real estate investments and that didn't, that's not real over there. So I said, the way we do it is we have to be open about it. We have to talk about it. And we, um, with some of my nieces, I show them the, the money I invested. I said, listen, I know, I'd, I know your uncle Juan didn't get you some, some big thing, but check it out. I want you to know at 16, you're going to be pumped when you're able to buy your first car out of this account. 
I love that. And I think so while I am a fifth generation Texan, you know, I am a first generation college graduate and it was just kind of the same thing, man. It was, uh, although not an immigrant, we didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with my dad saying, okay, here, here's how you, here's the basics of investing. Here is the 80, 10, 10, uh, that made my dad was always self-employed. So he was that small business owner that paid himself last, worked his tail off and yep. always, you know, probably felt a lot more, a lot poorer than he was just because he was constantly keeping up with taxes and trying to rob Peter to pay Paul and just like so many other business owners do. So it wasn't until I was in college that I started trying to get some financial literacy. And I think that's one of the things that, that, now here was the, again, my ego. The problem with me when I was younger is that I thought I knew way more than I did. And I thought that it was a sign of weakness to go to a professional. So just tell this audience kind of like how you work. So, I mean, a lot of people out there that, and and also by the way, Juan, I can almost guarantee you some of the people listening to this, they're younger. They've just graduated from school or just got their MBA or whatever. And they think, I don't have anything to invest. I'm buried in student loans. I'm renting. I have a car note. I have nothing to invest. And so therefore, why would I ever go to a financial advisor? What do you say yep. to that individual? Um, number one, I totally get how you feel. You know, um, I was that 20 year old that really didn't know much about money either, but I want to give you some facts. Number one, in today's world, there's so much free financial literacy information out there. Um, for me, Jason, one of the reasons I put out content online is because as a financial planner, um, I hate that big institutions will only take certain clients after they have a hundred grand in investable assets a quarter million only. And I'm like, what about at 20 years old? I was like, what about me? I got like 500 bucks. Um, Fidelity was like, go make some money and come back later. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I, created a, I created a free course of, I called it investing 101. What to do if you're starting brand new, it'll give you the breakdown of what accounts you should have. And I always like to share this part. If you're a 20 year old listening to this and you're like, I don't have a lot of money, but I want to be a millionaire. I want to retire there. Dude, 95 bucks a month and you will retire as a millionaire without even doing anything. If you're 25, it's 158 bucks. Let's just say you waited a little bit into your 30s. It's only 270. I love it. Let's show this. Let's show this because you shared this with me before we got on. All right. So for those of you, I'm going to put this on YouTube and maybe we'll, we'll clip. Well, I'll send you all these assets so you can use this also, because I think this is great what you sent me. So let me get here. Boom. And walk. Okay. Walk people through what we're looking at. Can you see that on your side? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you're on YouTube, you're looking at this video or if you're listening on Spotify, just check this out on YouTube. But on the left-hand side, that's how much you need to invest based on your age. So if you're 20, 30, 40, or you're 50, that's how much you need to invest if you're just getting started. Or on the right, if you already have a big lump sum, that's how much you need to have invested and you don't even need to contribute monthly and you'll automatically be a millionaire. So right now, my daughters are 22 and 23. So, and by the way, so I'm. this is my wheels turning, dude. Uh, for some of the grandmas and grandpas out there listening, I'm looking at this one and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if the kids are about 20 
and grandma and grandpa are 79 or 80 and want to go ahead and pop 10 grand tax free to the kid right now they only have to do it once that gets them pretty close to that 11,318 i tell you what any grandparents listening want to give rylan and abby 10 g's as a gift as a tax-free gift i'll make up the 1318 dollar delta but what you're saying is at 20 20 years old eleven thousand three hundred eighteen dollars they stick it in there Boom. Just don't forget it. Don't have to put anything else for from now on. And you're going to be a millionaire whenever you're ready to retire. 62. Dude. I mean, and that's one time. And here's one of the things too, Juan, that I, I say all the time that again, I didn't really appreciate enough in my younger years, even though I was trying to figure everything out is that if you are young, you are the wealthiest among all of us. And I try to tell my daughters, you're 22 and 23. And, and I use this, this analogy. So listener, if you're on the younger side of things, even if you're like Juan's age, who's way younger than me, if, if you were to walk up right now to Warren Buffett, I, and you were to say, I tell you what, Warren, I got a deal for you. I will trade you my age of 23 for all your $114 billion. Warren Buffett takes that deal every day. He's 92. So if that's the case, he would give up his billions to have you have have all those, you know, nearly 70 years back. Then that shows you, you are the one that's really wealthy because you got Time. And that's the thing that I, I think that's what this really illustrates well. I mean, look at this. Even and, and also, you know what this chart does? And folks, I mean, I'll, I'll post this in the show notes. We'll figure out a way to, I want you to look at this because even if you are 40 years old, a lot of people want, I bet you have clients come in, they think they're 40 and they're just, they're desperate. I ha, I'm starting too late. But dude, we're talking 780 bucks a month if you're 40 then yeah. 62 you're a millionaire and 780 bucks that may sound like a lot but if you will knock out the debt you don't have car payments you, you don't have a house payment one day 780 right. bucks i mean that's like seven nice dinners these days yeah dude can i tell you a crazy story right now absolutely i, I got a client who is 52 okay right? and she feels a little behind she came and she's like she started late had a nasty divorce unfortunately and she's like, I told her the math. I said, hey, we have to contribute, you know, 2000 bucks. And that's a lot of money. Let's be frank. 2000 bucks is a lot. So it's simple. Number one, can you imagine? She started working some overtime. She started literally just doing a little bit of extra. She works one Saturday a month through a side hustle. She doesn't take any of it home. She now contributes 2000 bucks a month. <laughs> wow. Wow. And don't you think that that's part of the thing is I always try to tell people to get your plans and your concerns out of your head and onto paper and they don't look nearly as big. When they're rattling around in your head with all the other stuff you got going on, kids, mortgage, how am I going to pay for college? My boss sucks, my, my health. You, you're, if you keep it all in your head, it becomes like, it's like looking at the wizard, like when Dorothy's looking at the wizard up on the screen, it's really scary. But if you just go pull that curtain back by putting those fears or those those concerns on paper, then all of a sudden you realize they're not that intimidating. You just got to get a plan together, right? That's, that's right. And uh, real quick, for I want to go back to what you said real, for the for the younger people. If you're, in, if you're between 20 and 25 and you're listening to this, every dollar you contribute turns into 78 to $88 in your 60. <laughs> wow. Every $1. Like, I'm not even saying go wild and put all your income there. Guys, just 100 bucks a month. Like, I don't know about you, but when I used to go out in my early 20s, I would go out to nightclubs and drop $300 in a night. Absolutely. 
yeah without trying god forbid you gotta you do that bottle service thing which is doesn't make sense anymore to me but <laughs> right. you can imagine right and then for the ambitious entrepreneur who was listening to this and maybe you're in your 30s like me or you're you're in your 40s or 50s listen couldn't you easily get motivated in your business because you're taking your per personal finances seriously grow that business by another hundred grand and invest that. Couldn't you catch up in 12 months if you're starting right now? So what do you tell your clients? Because here's part of the problem. Here's why the 22-year-old doesn't do it. Here's why Rylan and Abby, who are just getting started in the world, you know, Abby's about to move out there near you in Manhattan and, you know, yeah. the, the feedback loop from 23 to 62, that's a long feedback loop, brother. Yep. Do you help your clients find some milestones to celebrate, to, to, to try to key yeah. in on that behavioral science to, to apply to it. How do you help them with that? Yeah. Um, here's what I've learned. And I took the, I don't know where I heard this, but I heard from someone, so this isn't mine, but I've learned that people only change through extreme passion, through extreme pain or extreme passion. Mm. Right. Usually, usually it's something big. Right. You don't quit smoking because you just don't like to taste cigarettes. One day the doctor tells you you don't stop smoking, you got a problem. Right. Yeah. Um, usually I tell the twenty-year-old that doesn't want to invest. Right. Because for me, my hardest client is I have a, a a family, a married couple in their forties, and they're like, "Listen, you need to start working with my daughter, my son. He's 17, 18. and he doesn't want to listen to me. He's coming to me because dad is paying for me to get here. Right. Yeah. And here's what I tell the twenty-year-old: I said, "Listen, right now you could either do ninety bucks a month." And it doesn't hurt you. Or you could wait until your 30s and now you have to do 500 a month because you were too lazy to do it in your 20s. Mm. Or that 30-year-old, there's a lot of 30-year-olds who are like, man, I'm still too young. I got 30 years to go. I said, that's fine. You don't have to if you don't want to. But if you wait until your late 40s, you now have to do 1400 a month. Wow. And that will hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think too, one, I think people kind of scratch their heads when you, like a lot of them, they think that, yeah, this all looks good and everything, but really me, a millionaire, they think that there has to be some big, that they've got to be Zuckerberg. They've got to be Elon. That, oh, though, that these, that to become a millionaire is just this big mystery when in fact, most millionaires it's pretty boring how they became, they, they all they've done what you're talking about. They were just, in the race of the tortoise and the hare, they were just the tortoise, right? They're just doing little things that weren't sexy, weren't flashy. <clears throat> that whole millionaire next door thing. Oh, dude, love millionaire next door. Yeah, and it's and it's pretty. <clears throat> excuse me. These are universal principles that anyone can apply. That's right. Um, you know, I get that it's a long time frame, but here's the here's some facts. The two proven models that has made more people millionaires in the history of the United States, real estate and the stock market. Yep. It's improvement. Yep. Yep. That's the most amount of millionaires created in this country. Why are we trying to find something new? And that's, that's the thing that gets me. And it took me a while. I get it. I mean, it took me a while before I finally, and here's another thing too, that like in your business, one of the things that I actually did a, um, a, a reel on this, I think this week where, I mean, when I was young, again, I was young, cocky 
ego driven. And I, and, and see, I came out of school. So I graduated from undergrad in 97. So I was right there during the tech boom where an idiot can make money. I mean, a monkey throwing darts at a dartboard could make some money off these old companies don't even exist anymore. Like Juniper and, uh, web van, all these weird, you know, stupid things. None of them made money, but they were trading like, you know, these, you know, ridiculous multiples. And so I thought I was really smart. Well, when I look back over the course of my life, taking real estate and buying businesses aside, that's kind of an outlier. Not everybody listening to this is going to go yeah, buy yeah. business, right? But for just the normal person out there, you got a choice to invest. The set it and forget it mentality, like what you're talking about, like if you've got the lump sum of the 11,000, uh, 11, whatever it was, uh, to pop in and just forget about it, or the 95 bucks a month right now, just forget it. Don't think about it. Those are the ones that, and just general everyday Joe investing that have always worked out best for me because what I've told people is I didn't get in the way of the money. I did. I, I, look, it's like here, let the thing, let the thing do what the thing does. Let the market do what it's done for over two hundred years. Don't that's let right. me get in the way because that's not my gift. I may think I it is, but. I'm never going to beat the, first of all, I'm never going to beat the institutions. I'm always going to be behind the eight ball from Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, BlackRock. I, 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 they, they, they're, they're market makers. I'm not. And then, right. by the way, I'm just not that smart. I don't have the time to pour over financial statements and, 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 and annual reports like Buffett. I'm not going to do that. So no. set it, forget it. Am I right? 100%, man. I think Buffett is... He's a he's a once in a lifetime kind of guy. Like not not everybody can do what Buffett can do. Like I can't imagine. I would love to take have lunch with that guy. Yeah. Right. But one hundred percent, I'm a big. That's why I said even if you're the entrepreneur or you're just starting and you're just listening to this because it sounds cool for you, just start with that principle of automating fifteen percent. Trust me, if you can start that early, man. Trust me, you will you'll be so happy in your late forties and fifties and sixties. Just starting early. I tell you too, one of the things for my fellow parents out there, and, and I know you know this, I'm totally preaching to the choir, but being a father who has just had two daughters graduate, I'm debt-free in that endeavor. They are debt-free. They're entering the workforce with degrees in hand, debt-free. And let me tell you something. It's scary. It's daunting. I mean, those were some big, big expenses. I to have, and I even even though I had the money saved, I mean, they went to schools. You know, university. When you're from Texas and you're going to the University of Colorado in Boulder, holy cow! That one, that was a gut punch. You know, so Abby, your dad loves you, um, and uh, and but even Ryland going to Alabama, but you know, it's out of state. Big school. Oh man! But whenever you've got it when you've saved for it and, and that's what I did one I just started and I didn't start as early as I should have with them I think I started when they were probably I don't know five or six years old instead of the day they were born or before like you did with the 529 plan um, it just makes life so much easier because I do have friends right now that my daughter has told me about 
you know, that their parents, it, it was a real struggle for them. They didn't have the money saved. They had to take out the student loans. Now the kids okay. are graduating and their parents are like, hey, this loan is yours. And um, it's just a real nice gift that, and it wasn't because I, I was smarter as far as making money. And that's the thing too, I think it's cool to know about getting to work with someone like you is that you don't, I, I need all the help I can get. And I'm not, this isn't false humility. I'm not smart enough to go out and figure out some great new way to crush it financially. I pretty much am stuck just doing the things that work, just having the discipline to actually do them. And so to the listener out there, if you will just do the things that have always worked, you don't have to exercise a lot of brain power. And I'm living proof because I just ain't got it. I just, I, I, there's, that's just not my gift. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Um, and for the new parent here, or maybe you are a parent already, I just want to give you some uh, something to open up your mind and why you. I think you should start early. Um, if you're a new parent or you're expecting, did you know, uh, Jason? I don't think I've ever told you this, and I'll save the details for our longer show. But thousand dollars one time, twelve dollars a month, and you will guarantee a million dollars for your baby boy or girl by the time they're in their fifties. Really. And what account? Okay, what? Because I've thought about doing that for for the girls. I do have them like a little bit of just kind of put away so that one day I don't even know when I'm going to do it. But say, hey, for your first house, whatever, maybe for yeah. their grandkids' college. What well, kind yeah, of? What why, kind, why don't we do the overview of it and then we'll go deeper in the next one? But all right, I like it. Here, here are the uh, four accounts I believe you should have for your kid, kids. All that stuff. Oh, this is going to be good, dude. This is going to be a good episode. But yeah, give me the hollow view. I, 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 since I became a dad, man, I've become so freaking passionate about this. But um, first thing I think you need to have, and I've seen this too much with too many business people, um, have a separate high-yield savings account for each kid. Okay. I have found so many times people will get money from family for birthdays, and it just sits in the checking account. Separate it so you know exactly how much money is there. That is the money you use for today's expenses. Okay. Second one is a 529. That's for education, especially if you're thinking about doing private school. It's almost, you should be doing it right away. And just think about this. Um, granted, this is including inflation, but if you just had a child or you're planning to have a child the next coming year, if you just do $110 a month from zero to 18, you will fully fund a four-year private school. Wow. You gotta, but you gotta start early, right? You gotta yep. start at zero, right? Number three, um, I use called a UTMA. This is a investable brokerage account for kids. They have to be under the age of 18. So Jason, you can't do this for, for your girls because they're already mm -hmm. adults, right? But if you're a new parent, this is the account you could use. I'm using this for Sophia, man. I'm saving this up exclusively for two things, three things. Number one, her first car. Number two, assets to buy her first real estate property three money and capital to start her first business and her wedding. Cause I know that's going to come one day. Yes. And they get so expensive, dude, that one, I'm just, that one's going to kill me. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm, I knew, I knew the day that the doctor said, congratulations, you're having a baby girl. My my wife on the drive home, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, we're going to have to pay for a wedding. Dude. I said the same thing. First that we, we went to, it was with Rylan doing the sonogram. And yeah. I go, I think that's a girl. And nurse goes, yep, you can have a little girl. And, I, and the first thing I say is, I got to pay for a wedding. <laughs> that's exactly what I said, man. I Your mean, wife was so mad. She was like, that's the first thing that came to your mind. I'm like, 
Yeah. Guilty, yeah. dude. Same here. Same here. That was gross. Yeah. And then the last one, this is exclusive for the business owners listening to this. Uh, custodial Roth IRA. Hire your child to try to have some type of role in your business legally, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. like illegally just do it, right? Because, guys, everything's a tax write-off until the IRS comes to audit you. Right. But pay your kids through your business. Every dollar they earn, contribute it to a custodial Roth IRA. So that $12 a month example I told you? Yep. That's exactly what I do for my, for my daughter. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, that's such great advice. Dude, that's, that's going to be good. So, folks, come back and listen to us talk about, because we're going to do a whole episode on how do you finance the kids. And I think people, whenever they're, and we, we've got a, so a couple of employees, in fact, that are uh, having children right now. We're going to go see a new baby tonight that one of our customers uh, just had. And, uh, you know, I think that it, it's like anything else. There is a plan. Kids are very expensive. I've learned that. I mean, they are very expensive. They're they're wonderful. They're a blessing. They are a gift from God, but they come with a big price tag attached to them. But man, you just I mean, that's and that's just so beautiful. One, I did none of that. I did well. I did the five twenty nine, but I didn't start at year zero. Uh, I didn't do the custodial IRA. Both girls could have worked for me. Could have taken advantage of that. Um, so. Those that's going to be a great episode. So, folks, tune in on the the next Money Monday when we have one on here to discuss this because I think that's going to be magic. I still owe you a story. Going back to the entrepreneur, yep. you'll you'll get a kick out of this. Yep. And sure. so, so folks, again, I hope you will continue listening to the Jason Wright Show, the Improve Always and Always guy. After I tell you the, what a bonehead I was. Um, so, my first year in business. Now, here's what I did. One, I I come here to Tyler and I buy this real estate business that actually had an office building attached to the purchase, right? And I'm negotiating this deal as though I've got the money to buy the company. I'm 28. I didn't have a real net worth. I had a little bit, you know, that I just saved. I've been very prudent, um, but I didn't have the money to buy the business, but I'm negotiating like I've got the money to buy this business. And the thing I was buying was a Century 21 franchise that was part of the purchase and then the real estate. Well, the real estate was, I, I was talking to the owner and he had told me that, he said, we we have this building that will probably appraise for around 400 grand and uh, we only owe $56,000 on it. Okay, wow. so I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, and I'm going home one night from work thinking, how am I gonna pull this deal off? I mean, I think this is about to go. And I'm listening to, there used to be this dude named Carlton Sheets that would teach you how to set, how to buy real estate with no money down. And one of the things that he talked about was you can go to a seller that has either their, their property paid for that you wanna buy or has a ton of equity in it, get them and you so you can pull that equity out get them to take a second loan give them a big chunk of what you pull out of their asset as a down payment you can get that to work well that sounds good when you're selling tapes on an infomercial but trying to get a real life seller to do that it's pretty tough but i'm saying i think so i'm thinking to myself huh 400,000 56,000 that leaves me a pretty good delta to give a nice down payment on the franchise, get him to take a second. I called my banker. He's like, yeah, Jason, I'll definitely, I'll loan you $200,000 on a $400,000 asset, but I'm going to take first position on this note. And he said, I don't think your seller's going to do that. Well, he did. And so when I walked away from the closing table, Juan, from buying my first business, fully leveraged buyout, 
I had, and so I, I give, I pay off with the 200 grand, I pay off his building, the 56,000. I give him a down payment for the franchise. I keep yeah. $90,000 in working capital. That's how I lived for that first year. No way. Well, it comes tax time. I haven't paid myself a penny. I have, oh, I've, I've cashed in some stock. I've used the 90, some of the 90,000, not all of it. And, and it starts to get, get to the end of the year. And I'm thinking, well, this is weird. Again, this is my first year to come. I mean, I'd been a partner in another small business, but I didn't have to mess with any of the taxes or finances. I was just a minority partner. Yeah. This is the first time. So I'm like, I call my CPA up. I go, um, hey, Shane, I said, I got a question. Uh, I'm used to, you know, just being a W-2 employee and um, taxes are handled. I haven't put anything in this year because I haven't paid myself anything. What what do I do? And I kid you not, my first year as a small business owner, I received an earned income tax credit. And I remember, and, and folks, please forgive me for what I'm about to say. I just didn't understand. I, 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 I just, I asked my CPA, he said, well, you know, you might be eligible for an earn, eligible for an earned income tax credit. And I go, well, isn't that for people who are less fortunate? I was like, I really? And he said, well, yes. He said, but you put all your money back into the business. You didn't take any out. So you, you're probably going to be eligible. So that's how I handled my first year in business. And let me tell you something. That's a sinking feeling. It's, an uns, it's just an unsettling feeling, not because of the earned income tax credit, but to realize you've just basically lived off this borrowed savings for a year. I had, so, I, so I had to really, and then I, I figured out, one of the best things I ever did, going back to what you said earlier, is when I set myself up on a salary, and there will be times when you feel like you can't pay yourself. You just can't, the, the, the company needs the money. But what I had to start asking myself and what I had to start doing, and back to that entrepreneur, I'd say this, okay, so your, your secretary, your assistant, or whatever, your sales rep, are you writing them a check? I mean, you, you, you wouldn't just tell them, hey, sorry, I just cannot write, I can't pay you this week. You know, the, the account will get too low. No, you're, if you can pay them, you can have the discipline to pay yourself. But anyway, dude, that first year, you talk uh, about doing some financial gymnastics to, to get through. I did. That's crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I got to tell you, that is probably, probably more common than you know. Um, yeah. The amount of business owners that, that I've had, that I've met in my, in my lifetime, that they come to me because they're trying to buy a house and they oh. repair them. And then I'm like, sure, well, you got this company, you're a broker, you're this, you're that. Um, what, what are you doing on your personal? Mm-hmm. And it's like 31000 uh, And I'm like, brother, the bank ain't going to, they're not going to loan you a thing with that. You got to actually start paying yourself uh, some money. So, yeah, guys, while it might seem scary to write yourself a healthy paycheck, but uh, there's a good book on this profit first. Um, it's fantastic, but I don't know if you guys have ever heard, heard of that. Let me book. get that. That's where I got this concept of the 45, 10, 10, and 15. Um, pay yourself first, guys. Also, I found that when you as an entrepreneur, are your, your personal finances are doing well, it'll make your business go faster because you're not in a place of struggle where your personal life 
is hanging on a thread based on the success of the business. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's such good advice. And also too, one, I think a lot, something a lot of people take for granted and everybody listening to this, you know, I've talked to people about, uh, and I actually want to put together a course on this. Maybe you and I'll collaborate on this. I want to go teach people how to buy a small business. Cause there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this. They're like, I'd love to go buy a small business. And they think that it's like buying a house where there's these set rules. There's these set lending standards. No, it's how creative you can get, how good of a salesperson you are to that seller. It is right. awesome. It's no holds barred. It's just, it's real creative, but also it's kind of like this. We were talking about this when we were in Franklin. You, you got Sophia in the car from the hospital and you leave and you're like, they're really going to let us leave with this baby? Are you kidding me? There's no there's no manual. There's a, there, you're really letting me go be responsible for this human being. O- owning a business while not as vital as taking care of another human life, there's no rules. There's no playbook. All you can do is educate yourself. And you don't have to go get, like, I got my MBA, but that was for vanity. That wasn't to teach me how I'd been running my business for nearly a decade. You're, you don't have to go do that. You just need to get with someone. You get you put a good team together, an attorney, a CPA, a financial advisor and coach like Juan. Put a team together and, and have your advisory board to give you that information. Because guess what? If you don't, no one's going to go look at you and go, oh, you bought your first business, huh? Well, here, we need to get you a team and help you. That, that, that's not how it works. You just got to figure that stuff out. <laughs> that's so true, man. I think uh, if you can get the right people in your corner, um, while it will cost some money, you will inevitably scale your business, have more peace in your life, feel actually really secure with what you're doing. Yep. And I think that goes back to what you were saying with the husband and the wife. When you just feel like I'm going to be able to make payroll, I'm going to be able to, I'm, I, even if I'm not getting rich, even if I'm not making a ton of money, but I feel I'm not stressed that this, this is going to go away one day. That is worth whatever you have to pay for those professionals. And look, and and what is it? An ounce of prevention, a previ- an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Uh, I think I said that right. When it, when it comes to investing in professional services for your business, I didn't do it one and it did. It held me back on growth for a long time because I yeah. just would not. I thought I have to do everything myself. Dude, I was out there mowing the the grass in front of my office for quite a while because I felt guilty. Like, no, I'm bootstrapping. I'm saving pennies. I'm like, wait a minute, dude, you're the most expensive long guy in <laughs> all of Texas when you consider right what your time is worth and what you could be doing instead of this. So absolutely. So outsource guys outsource. Well, do, I think we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything yeah. we missed for this episode? Cause you're coming back, dude, you're, 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 my, um, you're, you're coming back. Um, no, I'm excited for the next episode. Make sure you guys come back. I'm actually, I have a lot to dive into with, with that. I guess the only thing that's on my mind as you brought it up is, um, for the husband and wife, because yep. I just work with so many married couples. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, you're listening to this and you're married and you're a guy like us, like me and Jason, right? Um, bringing home a consistent paycheck from your business, I promise you will give so much peace to your spouse because I want you to know your wife doesn't care about the amount of millions of dollars on the balance sheet of your business. She just wants to know that you and the kids are going to be okay. I like that. I think that's very, very good advice. Very good advice. 
Well, brother, this has been a blast, Juan. I'm so glad. And the, the feeling is totally mutual, dude. I mean, uh, to you know, by God's grace, we got we got to meet up in Franklin, and now I'm glad we've established a friendship. And I appreciate you being a friend of the Jason Wright Show and to this audience. I'm just so thankful, man. Man, I appreciate you, man. It was awesome to be here. I'm excited for the next episode, man. All right. Well, where can people find you? You're, I mean, TikTok, YouTube. Tell this audience where they can follow you and learn more of these tips, even when we're not on air. Yeah, for sure, man. Just go on TikTok um, and YouTube. Just look up my name, The Juan Saavedra, and I'm there. All right, brother. And I'll have his name and some links to all that in the show notes for you. Let me just do a little sign-off here. Folks, thank you so much for joining Juan and I today. Remember, part of improving always and always and trying to reach that perfect proportion has to cover your finances. Be a good steward. It's not about building a ton of wealth and crushing it, but it's about being a good steward of the resources you have. And if you are a good steward of those things, then one of the greatest ancillary benefits is you will have peace of mind. You will have a spouse that's secure and supportive, and you will have those things covered without as much stress. And the wealth will come as a result of good, solid planning and a good, a good, solid strategy. So until we meet again, continue to improve all Always and always, I'm Jason, he's Juan, and we are out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out. So what do you think? Are you enjoying this episode? I hope so. Oh, one more question. Did you download the Vitruvian Lab app? Why not? This makes me like your personal peak performance coach. I go where you go. So go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download it now.